Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church, a campus of Mount Perrin North. We exist to help people live a Christ-centered life, especially those disconnected from Christ. And we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good evening, everybody. We are so glad that you're here tonight. We invite you to stay seated as we begin today, but we want you to sing along, all right? Come on, sing, what can wash away my sin? And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but your blood, Jesus. And what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, your blood, oh, your blood. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's all precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's sing it again. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus.
shadows of your shame there's a light of hope that's shining won't you come and take your place so bring it all to the table it's nothing he'd seen before for all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table and he can see the weight you carry and the fear that holds your heart Through the cross you've been forgiven, you're accepted as you are. So bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. For all your trials, all your worries and your burdens, there's a Savior and he calls. Bring it all to the table. Bring it all. Bring it all. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Come on in, take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before, no. All your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness. Is a savior and he calls, bring it all to the table. So bring it all to the table. So bring it all to the table. Well, good evening and welcome to Come to the Table. We're going to do several things together tonight. One of those is in a moment we're going to continue to worship like we have already done. You're going to hear several different teaching segments tonight from myself and from Corey and from Pastor Jeremy. And on your table, you'll see several different items that each of those go with one of the teaching segments. You'll see on your table, there's the items there to do communion, and we'll do that in just a little while. You'll also see a rose, and Corey's going to come up and talk about that 
in just a few moments, but you'll also see a pile of silver coins. And what I want you to do right now is I want everybody at the table to just take one of those silver coins in your hand. If you have kids in the room that are participating in the night, help them get one of those coins in their hands. You're not going to do anything with this coin. You don't have to do anything with it. I just want you to hold it. I just want you to think about this coin in your hand as we start. To start the night, every table had 30 silver coins on it. 30 silver coins is all it took that night that we are here to remember for one man named Judas Iscariot to be willing to betray Jesus, to be willing to give everything up for 30 pieces of silver. So you know the story. You've probably heard it. You've probably been in a service similar like this on a weekend for Easter. Jesus was sitting with his disciples, sharing a meal together around the table. And as they're at that meal, prior to that ever taking place, Judas, one of the twelve, had already gone and he'd already made up his mind. He had gone and he had met with the religious leaders. He had met with those officials and they had bargained and they had come to an agreed price that for 30 pieces of silver is what they would give Judas. Judas, in return, would hand Jesus over to them. And so after negotiating, they finally agreed to these terms. And so he's sitting at this meal on this night, already have done that, with Jesus, with the twelve. And there's a moment in John chapter 13, verse 18, where Jesus says to everyone in the room, I know that I'm about to share a meal. I'm going to break bread and I'm going to drink this juice. And someone that I'm going to break bread with and someone that I'm going to drink this wine with is going to betray me. Imagine, if you will, that you're Judas in this moment. You probably have been tuning out everything that Jesus has said because you're thinking about what you've already done and you're thinking about what's coming hours later that night. In that moment when he said that, it probably stopped your heart for a second. Your palms probably got sweaty. Your breathing quickened. Judas probably broke out into a cold, cold sweat. How does he know? How did Jesus find out what I've done? Did someone see me go? Did someone see me walk out of this meeting? How does he already know that this is what I'm going to do? Jesus probably was asking him the question, is Jesus going to let everyone else know? Is he going to tell them that he's talking about me? Does Jesus hate me now? Is he going to rat me out? Does Jesus not love me anymore? The contrary is what's actually true. Jesus in that moment after he said that, after he already knew that Judas would be the one that would betray him, Jesus still ate that meal with Judas. He didn't rat him out. In fact, he did the opposite of that and he just completely treated him normal. Jesus still loved Judas. See, sitting there sharing that meal with the disciples, washing their feet just moments prior to that, Jesus still just loved Judas. He just loved him. He still broke the bread for him. He still gave him the wine because Jesus just loved Judas. If you know that the story continues on from that moment, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he takes some of his disciples there and Jesus is there in the garden with his disciples and Jesus is praying and he's praying to the Father and he's asking the Father to take this cup from him. Jesus didn't want to have to go through with the pain and the suffering that he was going to endure. And in that moment... The disciples are also there. 
And if you know the story, if you're familiar with it, you know that the disciples are struggling to stay awake like many of us probably would if we were in a garden at night trying to pray. And put yourself in that garden for a moment. If you can, imagine that you were there on that night. You're sitting there, and the first thing that changes is off in the distance you start hearing footsteps. And as it gets a little closer, you start hearing that all-too-familiar sound of the sheath holding a sword at a soldier's side rattling against his armor. And maybe they topped a hill, and the first sign of anything You just see the glow of a torch that was leading them towards Jesus in the middle of the night. I got to imagine that the disciples that were there that night were probably getting pretty nervous and uncomfortable at this point. And as it's getting even closer, it's probably started nudging each other. Is that who I think it is? And as they get even closer than that, they realize they start to see a familiar face and that it's Judas. Why is he with them? Why are those guards, why does it seem like they're coming in together? Why would he be leading the guards towards us? I don't understand. What is Judas doing right now? See, the negotiation that Judas had done prior, where in return he got 30 pieces of silver, he told them what he would do is he would go up to Jesus and he would greet him with a kiss. And so Judas comes into the, or Judas walks into this group. And I have to imagine as he's heading towards Jesus, probably had his head down not wanting to make eye contact with any of the disciples, not wanting them to know why he's there. And he walks up to Jesus, and he greets him, and he kisses him. I love in Matthew's account of this story taking place and Matthew's narrative of this moment. It says that Jesus, in return of this situation and this moment taking place, it says that Jesus told Judas, do what you have to, friend. With all of the love, with all of the care, with all of the passion that Jesus still had for Judas, he said to him, do what you have to, friend. And with that, in that moment, soldiers came up, they handcuffed Jesus, and they led him away. I did some research on what in today's society, what would 30 pieces of silver from that time cost today? What would that value be? And I looked at several different places, and everywhere gave me a little bit different answer. And I saw anywhere from it valuing at $600 to $6,000. Now, that's good money. Don't get me wrong. But it's not life-changing money. But for Judas, it was enough money. To Judas, that $600, that $6,000, that 30 pieces of silver, for Judas, it was enough money. Church, I ask you the question tonight. What are you willing to give up for 30 pieces of silver? Who are you willing to betray for 30 pieces of silver? Are you, like Judas, willing to betray Jesus, the Son of God, for 30 pieces of silver? As Pastor Nick leads us in this next song, I want you to take just two or three of those coins and hold them in your hand. And I want you to just think about this. I want you to just think and pray and worship God. I want you to reflect back. Maybe there's a situation in your life that you think about over the next few seconds or moments of a time that you or someone did to you. Maybe there's a moment in your life where you feel like you betrayed God. 
and you spend the next few moments asking God for forgiveness. But what I want us to do for the next few moments is to worship a God that while we might betray him, will never betray us. Let's worship together. a day like today, right? If you're a Christian in the room, 
It speaks to the suffering of Jesus Christ. The ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice paid for you and for me. But pain and suffering didn't start at the cross. Let's read from Genesis chapter 3 tonight. It says, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Then the man and his wife, referring to Adam and Eve, heard a sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all li- of all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. To the woman, Jesus said, God said, I will greatly increase your pain in childbirth. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and you ate the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. I have four children. I can attest to the fact that when sin entered the world, God honored his word, and childbirth is painful. I can also attest to you that when sin entered the world and God said working the ground would be painful. A couple of weeks ago, Jeremy and I were in the backyard and we were cleaning up some bushes. And I reached down into the bush and I grabbed a hold of thorns and thistles. If you've ever been doing any kind of gardening, and I'm not a very good gardener, you realize that those things kind of wrap around you pretty quickly. I didn't have gloves on. It took me by surprise. I was cut all to pieces. I actually ripped holes in my pants. They kind of got all around me, and I couldn't get out of them. And I went and got two pairs of gloves to put on them, and nothing worked. It was painful. Sin entered the world, and pain entered the world. In Matthew 27, 27. Adam's sin caused pain to enter the world, but Christ's pain that he suffered on the cross rid the world of the power of sin. Let's read. Then the governor's soldier took Jesus into the, into the what they would call a parodium or headquarters, and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and sat them upon his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Held the king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took a staff and struck him in the head again and again. After they had mocked him, They took off the robe and put on his clothes, and they led him away to crucify him. So pain and suffering entered the world because of our sin, our mess, 
And yet Jesus took on pain and suffering to rid the world of the power of sin. On your table you have a rose, and a rose is a beautiful thing to look at. You may have received roses as a gift. Maybe you've given roses as a gift. You kind of give those to the people that you love. Roses kind of speak of love. But behind every beautiful rose, there is a gardener. And so maybe you've received the rose on a special holiday or on a birthday, and you get to enjoy the beauty of those flowers. Maybe they sit on your table in a pretty vase, and someone it's a reminder that someone was thinking about you. Someone loved you enough to bring you roses. But behind that rose, there was a gardener who went to great lengths and suffered great pain to bring those roses to the florist who then got them to you so that you could experience the beauty of the rose. Tonight, we sit in a room like this, and if you call yourself a Christian in this room, then tonight we look at the cross, and the cross is beautiful. The cross speaks to the forgiveness of our sins. The suffering Jesus experienced, it, it to us speaks to healing of our bodies. But for Jesus, the cross was not beautiful. It came at a great sacrifice, a great price, and he endured and suffered great pain for you and for me. Jesus suffered the pain on the cross so that we could experience the beauty of forgiveness. So the rose on your table tonight, it may look pretty, but if you were to pick it up, and you are more than welcome to do so, it has thorns all over it. You see, the rose is something really pretty to look at, but it caused someone great pain. The cross is a beautiful thing to us tonight. The cross allows you and I to sit in this room, a forgiven people, a chosen people. The Bible talks about that by his stripes, we are healed. The very blood that Jesus suffered and shed on the cross, not only for our sins, but our forgiveness. The cross for us tonight is a beautiful thing. But for Jesus, it was pain. So tonight, as you look at the rose on your table, my prayer is, is that you see past the beauty, past the thankfulness that is the blood of Jesus. And for a moment, we honor, honor we give honor where honor is due to the one who looked beyond the beauty and paid the ultimate price and suffered the ultimate cost for you and I. He was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace 
was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are healed he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace we are saved we are saved he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sin the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are healed we are healed by your sacrifice and the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace we are saved we are healed by your sacrifice in the life that you gave we are healed for you paid the price by your grace we are saved we are saved he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our sins the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds by his wounds we are healed you know, the kind of physical pain that Corey just talked about is, it's never easy, even if we know that it's actually for our good. When I was 18 years old, I was not yet graduated from high school, but my high school baseball career had just ended, and I was waiting to go to college, and uh, was going to walk on and play baseball in college, and so I had nothing really to do, and I was finishing out school, and so my church had a church softball team, and they were look, looking for young bucks like me who could come out and hit and play and try to help them win a few games. And so I went out to a game one night, and I came up to hit, and I hit the ball and hit it really well, and it was over the left center fielder's head. And so I started running, and I rounded first, and the guy in left center field had made up a lot of ground pretty quickly, more quickly than I thought he could. And so he got to the ball really quickly and started throwing it into second base, and as I'm running between first and second, I, I'm doing the math in my head, and I'm watching that ball come to second, and I'm realizing that the play is going to be very close. 
And I'm trying to determine, do I want to slide away from the infielder who's set up on the inside of the base and slide towards the outfield and try to touch the bag away from him? Or do I want to slide directly into the bag the most direct route as quickly as I can? And as I'm trying to compute all that in my head, I decided to slide really late right into the bag. And as soon as I did, I heard my ankle go pop. I thought, I cannot believe... I just broke my ankle playing church league softball. So one of the guys on the team, he drove me to the hospital, and my mom met me there. My dad was out of town, and the doctor was talking to us about the fact that they were going to have to put a cast on it for a little while. And he said to me, he said, Jeremy, to to really do this right, we're going to need to reset your foot. I thought, that sounds painful. And it was way worse than that. And so he, he resets my foot, and in that moment, I wasn't concerned that it was going to help the bone heal faster and be stronger once it came to, you know, to be what it was supposed to be. It, I wasn't thinking any of that. I was just thinking, this really hurts bad. And so as I listened to Corey describe the pain that Jesus endured, I was thinking about the fact that he was this unique blend while he was on earth. He was 100% man. And he was 100% God, uniquely blended together while he was here. And as a part of that blending, I, I know as he went to the cross, he understood in his deity, in his godness, that the cross and the pain of the cross was for our good and it was necessary. And it was, it was the beauty that's been described. It was for our forgiveness and our healing and our acceptance into the family of God. That was, that was the beauty of it. But in his humanness, I think he was thinking about the pain. He was doing what Pastor Trevor described when he was in the garden, and he was saying, let this cup of suffering pass by me. And so in his humanity, he's trying to get away from the pain. But I'm not just thinking about Jesus on a night like this and what he must have been thinking. I'm also thinking about those that were followers of Christ. I'm thinking about them standing at the foot of the cross all during this day and looking at this man that they had given the last three years of their lives to follow And they're watching as life literally drains out of his body. And they're trying to determine how to reconcile what they're seeing with all that they've experienced in the last three years. I'm thinking that three years ago when he called some of them to come and to follow him, they just followed. And I'm thinking that during those three years as others came along and they saw the miraculous and they heard the teachings that they decided to follow too. And they literally saw him heal people that were sick. And they watched it and they thought, this is amazing. And they watched him actually raise a guy that was dead back to life. And that's amazing. They watched as he confronted the religious establishment of that day. And you know they loved every minute of it. And so when he said, I am God, they believed him. When he said, I'm the son of God and no one gets to the father except through me, they believed him. Because what were they supposed to do? And when he was talking about establishing kingdoms and overthrowing governments and establishing a throne that he would sit on, they believed him and they were waiting and they wanted to be a part of that. And yet here they find themselves at the foot of the cross trying to figure out how all of that that he said and all of that that he's done and all that they've experienced makes sense in light of what they see with their eyes. All of the hope 
that existed in their heart when he called them out of nothing to come and be something. All the hope that they experienced when they watched the miraculous. All the hope that existed within their hearts up until a few days ago leaves them in a place as they look at him on the cross of hopelessness. You ever felt hopeless? I'm not talking about have you ever felt sad. I'm not talking about have you ever felt afraid. I'm saying have you ever felt hopeless where there was absolutely no way that this could turn out right? Like there's no way that this could turn around for the good. There's no way that this was going to be okay. You had no options. You had no choice. You had no hope. I think that's probably what they were thinking as they stared at him on the cross and maybe even as they watched his body be taken down. There was no hope. Everything that he'd said, everything that he'd done, it had to be over now because he's dead. I'm sure that they were trying to go back in their brain and play back all the memories that they had, all the things that he had said, all the things that, they, that he had done, all that they had experienced, just to try to figure out, is there any way that anything he said or anything he's done up to this point will help us to make sense of what we are experiencing. Because see, here's the deal. You and I today, we know that Sunday's coming. We recognize that Easter Sunday is right in front of us and we're going to come together and we're going to celebrate in our services what people have been celebrating now for thousands of years on Resurrection Day. But they didn't know. They weren't looking back through Easter to see the cross for what it was. They were just looking at the cross and had no clue what it meant. To them, it was a symbol of their hopelessness. And so I think as they were starting to think back, maybe they thought about the times that he had done the miraculous and he healed the sick and they were thinking, well, maybe he'll do another miracle. I mean, he, he did call Lazarus back to life when he was dead, but how does one call oneself back from the dead? I'm not really sure how that works and maybe... It didn't do anything but make them seem even more hopeless. I wonder if their mind drifted back just a few days to when they gathered together to eat that meal. I wonder if they thought about what he said and what they did together when he took the bread and he broke it. And he blessed it and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And now they saw his broken body. I wonder if they thought about the cup when he said, this is my blood, which is shed for the remission of your sins. And they literally watched his blood drain out. I wonder if they thought about it. He also said in that moment, he said, I'll never drink this cup again until I do it again with you in my Father's kingdom. Maybe there was a glimmer of hope then if they remembered that statement that he would come and do it again with them. There was something that he was trying to tell them. There was something that he was trying to foreshadow to help them understand. And so tonight, what we want to do is we want to take the elements of communion. There on your table, you'll find some bread, and you'll find a cup filled with juice. And what we want you to do is we want you to take that bread, and we want you to break it. We want you to tear a piece away for yourself. And if your kids are with you, you you're welcome to help them or allow them just to tear the bread themselves. But we want you to take that bread and we want you to tear it and we want you to hold it in your hand. And then we're going to ask that the cup would pass around your table. And we just want you to take the bread and dip it into the juice that exists there in that cup. 
so that in a moment when you take these elements, you're taking them together, the bread and the juice together, the body and the blood. And here's what I want you to be thinking about. I want you to think about your hopelessness. Maybe not in this moment. Maybe you don't find yourself in a hopeless situation, but maybe you have at some point. So maybe you just think about that moment where you were hopeless and you recognize as you hold that bread that it's his body. You think about, okay, I've been broken before and he understands what that feels like. Maybe when you take the juice and it comes and you dip your bread in it in the moment when you drink out that juice, You say, this is his blood, it's shed for my sins. Maybe I've got some sin in my life that I need to confess to him. And I need to acknowledge that he can forgive my sins. Because what we want to know tonight is we want to recognize that no matter how hopeless it seems, because of the bread, because of the cup, because of the body, because of the blood, no matter how hopeless any circumstance in your life seems, because of the cross, There is always hope. Let's have a meal, let me reveal who I am, I'm your Savior, I will kneel down and wash all the sin from your soul, I'm your servant, and I am all you I'm the lamb that was slain, and my blood washes you clean. I'm the pure sacrifice. Let my life give you life. I'm the I am the bread given for every man. I sustain you. Drink from the cup. It is my blood shed for all. I'm redemption and I am all you need. Oh, I am everything. I'm the lamb that was slain. And my blood washes you clean. I'm the pure sacrifice. Let my life give you life. I'm the Lamb. We cry worthy. We cry worthy. We cry worthy. 
is the Lamb of God. We cry worthy. We cry worthy. We cry worthy is the Lamb of God. We cry. We cry worthy. We cry worthy. We cry worthy is the Lamb of God. We cry. We cry worthy. We cry worthy. We cry worthy is the Lamb of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for this night. We thank you for what come to the table has represented. And God, I pray right now for every person in the room that may feel that they have betrayed you. God, God, I pray that you would let them know that you love them, that you are still wanting to dine with them, that you are still wanting relationship with them. And God, I pray for every person that feels that they have hurt someone else or abandoned someone else or betrayed someone else. God, I pray that you would give that person the strength and the desire to go and to make right that hurt relationship. And God, I pray for the people in the room that feel that they have been betrayed, that trust has been broken, that feelings have been hurt, that they have had someone hurt them. God, I pray for healing for that person. Pray for restoration in their heart, restoration in their life, that they can move forward in knowing that God is the ultimate healer of all situations. And God, I pray that for every person in this room, as we reflect upon the choice that Judas made, God, that we wouldn't be able to willing to give you up for anything. That we are focused on you and you alone. In your name I pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for you being willing to pay the ultimate price for our sins. I thank you that by your wounds we are healed. I thank you that because of your blood we have been forgiven. So tonight, I pray for every person in this room who may not know you, that they would know that they were worthy enough and are worthy enough that you paid the price on the cross for their sins and that they would give your heart, their heart to you tonight, Father. I pray for every person in this room who needs to know the power of your healing. I pray that by your stripes, we are healed, and I pray for healing tonight in this room. I pray, Father, that the cross would come alive to us because you paid the ultimate price. We thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. We thank you for paying the price for our sins so that we can sit in rooms like tonight and be a forgiven people. We thank you for what Good Friday represents and we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, I pray tonight for every person that may find themselves in a hopeless situation. Whether it's tonight or maybe the last couple days or they feel like they're walking into a season where they just don't know how they're going to make it. They don't know what, what they're going to do. They're afraid. They're scared. They're, they're sad. 
Lord, I just pray right now that even as they find themselves in that situation, or even if, if it's in the future, Lord, that they would recognize, that we would all recognize that because of the cross, there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. That God, you proved that even death wasn't more powerful, and we'll celebrate that in two days. But even the sacrifice of the cross means that sins can be forgiven, means that sickness can be healed. And so God, right now, we pray that all of us would walk out of this place in a few minutes, recognizing that we are forgiven, that we can be healed, that we can be redeemed, that we are accepted into the family of God. Lord, we pray that we would walk out with a hopeful attitude not a hopeless attitude. And God, I pray that our worship tonight would reflect yes. our hope that is in you, not in our own abilities, not in our in own Jesus strength, name. but God, in you, that first and foremost we trust to you tonight, everything Jesus. that we need. And God, wherever there is brokenness, that God, we would identify with your brokenness. Wherever there is hurt, we would find healing. Wherever there is sickness, we would find healing, God. We believe that you have the power to do anything that we have need of tonight. And so, God, we give you glory now in advance. We worship you in advance of every need being answered in our lives. And so, God, we give you glory tonight because we believe that you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's worship together tonight. We cry worthy, we cry worthy is the Lamb of God. We cry, we cry worthy, we cry worthy, we cry worthy is the Lamb of God. We cry, we cry worthy, yeah. we cry worthy. We cry worthy is the Lamb of God. We cry, we cry worthy, we cry worthy, we cry worthy is the Lamb of God. You're the Lamb that was slain and your blood washes us clean you're the pure sacrifice let your life give us life come on sing it one more time you're the lamb that was slain and your blood washes us clean you're the pure sacrifice let your life give us life you're the lamb that was slain and your blood washes us clean we sing you're the pure sacrifice let your life Give us life. One more time, just the voices. You're the Lamb that was slain. And your blood washes us clean. You're the pure sacrifice. Let your life give us life. You're the Lamb. Amen. Before we're dismissed today, we want to sing one more song together and declare that He is the Lamb of God. Let's sing.
sing, you came from heaven's throne. And you came from heaven's throne. Acquainted with our sorrow. To trade the debt we owe. Your suffering for our freedom. Come on, sing it out. The Lamb of God in my place. Your blood poured out my sin. Erased it was my death. You died. I am raised to life. Hallelujah, the Lamb of God. Oh, you are the Lamb of God, Lord. Come on, my name. In my name upon your heart. Oh, my shame. My shame upon your shoulders. The power. The power of sin, I die it. The cross for my salvation. The Lamb of God in my place. Your blood poured out my sin. Erased it was my death. You died. I am raised to life, hallelujah, the Lamb of God. There is no greater love. There is no greater love. The Savior lifted up. There is no sing it out. There is no greater love, no. There is no greater love. The Savior lifted up. There is no greater love. The Lamb of God blood poured out my sin erased it was my death you died I am raised to life hallelujah the Lamb of God come on one last time Here we go. the Lamb of God in my place your blood poured out my sin erased, it was my death, you died, I am raised to life, hallelujah, the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com 
www.cantonchurch.ca.